Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like HerdPodcast on Facebook, and follow at HerdPodcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Jason. Hey, yo. Vato. Hello. Nick will be joining us in a few moments. And our special guest, pastry chef at Bistro 82 and the Mori, Ben Robison. Ben, thanks Hello. for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hey, so, Ben, let's get started uh, with this whole, uh, let's talk about the difference between in culinary school, the paths you go down as going down the chef path versus the pastry chef path. Is it just different classes or is it like a whole? Yeah, it's it's a whole different um, program, really. Um, baking and pastry focuses on, on baking and pastry and, and goes more in depth with um, those techniques and, and that direction in the kitchen, whereas uh, culinary is uh, more based on the whole savory side, um, cooking techniques and um, you know, charcuterie and butchery and all of those. Is there any overlap? Do you- yes, there's. Uh, you do get a little bit of baking and pastry in the in the culinary program, uh, which I actually I took the the culinary program. Like chicken pot pie. Yeah, as yeah. lots of chicken yes. pot pie. <laughs> uh, so over over the past uh, few years, you've worked at uh, Baco, correct? Uh, local, mm-hmm. and now like, as we said, Bistro Eighty Two and the Mori, kind of. Um, Take us through the path from like culinary school down to like getting into Baco mm-hmm. and then from there. So I, like I said, I took the the culinary program um, at Schoolcraft College, okay. um, and in in that there were a few baking and pastry programs that I took. Um, I've always been been really good at, at math and science, and so pastries always struck a chord with me. Uh, it was something that I was uh, good at, excelled at. Um, because they say. Baking's a science and cooking's an art, right? Absolutely, it's it's very formula based and and um, it revolves more around that, that technicality of. Yep. of um, so from there, I, I got a job at Baco. That was my first pastry gig. Um, right, right out of school. Yeah, at, okay. in the middle of school, actually, I was oh, wow. in my first year. Great. Um, so I got there and I worked um, with Luciano and, and the pastry chef who was there at the time. Um, Carrie Crawford, she worked at um, the Duquesne Club in Pittsburgh. So she came from a very um, high-volume, very prestigious private club. Um, So I learned a lot of uh, fundamentals and a lot of large-format pastry production um, from from her. Um, And then she slowly transitioned off to uh, open up the the Bigalore restaurants. And as she transitioned out, uh, I transitioned into that role at Baco. Uh, about two years into my time there, that that role being like head pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Okay, so two years in, you so you started while you're in school still. Mm-hmm. So you had graduated at this point, but yep. you were a year out of school. A year out of school, you're running the pastry program at Baco, correct? One of the most prestigious restaurants in the Metro Detroit area. Yeah. Okay. Very very fast movements uh, and up that up that ladder. W- so was that overwhelming? Absolutely, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, structure that was there before me, uh, which helped me move into that role. There's a lot of things that were already established that I didn't have to worry about setting up. Uh, you know, systems were in place, and so I, at, at that point, I was just maintaining and um, evolving as as much as I could at that time. Um, but yeah, there's so much stuff that I didn't know and, and didn't understand, and and. Is part of that, do you think, because, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people talk about with school, especially like schoolcraft, I mean, you're studying under two master chefs. You've got probably Chef Gabriel for your, your baking mm-hmm. and obviously master chef for pastries. You've got state-of-the-art equipment there in a multi-million dollar facility. And then 
I mean, not necessarily Baca, but going out into the real world where you have an oven that maybe you're putting ice cubes in to uh, create steam or you, um, you know, you don't have everything that you have there in school. Is there, was there a huge uh, uh, changeover for you where you had to adapt that for things that weren't at school? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, it's a whole different world. Um, as far as equipment and, and the space you have, especially, you know, I was in a tiny little corner tucked in the back of Baco doing, doing all of my pastry production. Um, and, and like you mentioned with the ovens, you know, we're not, we're not working out of expensive combi ovens and, and, you know, it's the regular right. restaurant double decks, uh, that have all their hot points and, and breakdown. And, you know, so that there's a lot of, Differences when cooking in, in culinary school and then moving on to actual restaurant industry. So, when you took over the program, how many people did you have under you? Uh, one. One. Mm-hmm. So you, you guys did all of the uh, all of the baking, the um, the pastry, you did bread there as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, it's a high volume. Was a high volume restaurant, right? Absolutely. With two and two people. Tons of caterings and, and private parties and. So what did you – okay, so you're at Baco and then you decide to move on to local. Mm-hmm. Um, same position, like kind of a lateral move? Was it a – Yes and a, no. Okay. Um, I, I spent six years at, at Baco okay. and, and learned a lot and, and got a lot out of that experience. Um, I was looking to move on to, to get into a different scenery more, more so than anything else. Um, you know, I'd, I'd done what I was going to do at Baco and I was looking to – to make that next step, which is why I find myself at local. Um, it's kind of in a, a restructuring phase. Um, so I, I jumped at, at that opportunity to, to go in and, and do something different, which was uh, in a lot of ways a lot different from Baco because I didn't have that uh, person working underneath me. So the, the, the whole pastry department was me. Um, so there's, there's a whole lot of different things that you get when you're just running everything on your own. Uh, you don't have that help and that, that extra labor to do, you know. You definitely didn't have the equipment either, too. You go to local and you have a, you have the small little table over there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working out of the same ovens as the, as the savory yeah. folks are. What was, what was that? Transitioning it, into something like that, like it's you. a it's a very different thought process you have to take on. Um, you know, you, you have to to work smarter and find ways to to get around all of that uh, and still create a high quality and creative end product. Um, so it's just different things you have to to work around um, instead of you know having someone who can spend two hours making garnishes for a dessert you have to find other ways to make something look elegant and make it look refined without it being a strain on production um one of the things i've noticed about your like through your instagram account the way the way your desserts look they all look pretty incredibly composed right so is that is that a sensibility you took from baco and have this taken with you or was that something you learned in culinary school or like how, how did you like the kind of artistic element of what you bring to the table? Um, it came from a, a little bit of everywhere, really. Um, a lot of outside sources, you know, just different chefs that I follow um, and, and kind of pick up things from, from wherever, really books and online. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a very practical element of, of, plating desserts in that way too um everything's like kind of spread out and and uh decomposed uh, deconstructed i should say um so you you have a a a wide variety of things that you can do with the food at that point because you're not forced to um have everything completely balanced you know when you're dealing with like a homogenous dessert like a, a a bowl of creme brulee or whatever it's it's the same all the way through so that dessert needs to be balanced as a whole. Um, with things spread out, um, you have the opportunity to, to play with flavors a little more. Um, you can have a component that's very sour, that's very bitter. Um, and as long as all of those are coming together as a whole, you have a, a balanced and composed dish. So you, you can spread things out and, and plate things in a way that's aesthetically pleasing and, and still have a, a purpose so when you have a deconstructed dessert, um, is there any element of 
say you have a a guest who doesn't understand what's happening on the plate is there at any point like a, a complaint that it's like some work to eat almost um potentially yeah i, I think it's it, it kind of forces you to to think more about it uh, which i i think is a good thing um because you're getting you're getting different flavors based on on what you're eating and and the uh, proportions of of the different components that are on that plate, you know. So one one bite might be completely different from your second bite. So it it forces you to analyze um, that dessert and to to really think about how those flavors are interacting with each other. And um, so so do your do the your front of house staff do they understand each element on the plate and like are they explaining when someone orders a dessert are they explaining? Um, this element is, you know, uh, this is X, this element's Y, this element's Z, and this is how it all plays together? Or is that something that you kind of put on the shoulders of the... Of yeah, the, we, we leave that up to the guests. Okay. You know, there's there's a, a certain amount of explaining that goes on at the table, but, um, you know, it's for me, it's part of the experience of, of just diving in and, and kind of figuring out everything as you're eating it, and you can be the judge of, of whether or not... Where do you draw the line on a dish being too precious? You know, where do you say like, okay, this is too much deconstruction, this is too much silliness? Is there a line? Uh, depending on where you're using it, uh, obviously in a restaurant um, environment, it needs to to have some sorts of uh, approachability to it. Okay. Um, you know, pop up dinners and 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 stuff like that. You, have a little more of an opportunity to to play around and, and push extremes and I, I think Nick is still upset about that deconstructed jello he got that one time. Yeah it was uh it was just a piece of horse meat and uh some uh and, and some, some red forty five <laughs> <laughs> it was like oh, I enjoy our deconstructed jello today with uh some uh, yeah, <laughs> horribly pronounced uh, mascarpone. It photographed well. It didn't taste as good, but it looked good on the photo. So you mentioned you're going to be doing some uh, some pastry classes with uh, James Regato yes. and Mabel Gray. Um, so are the classes going to be open to the public? Um, or is it like a class with like you're going to be teaching James or like the staff or how is that? It's going to be more uh, directed towards professionals okay. uh, and, and growing our community and, and – Sort of me giving back and and helping people where where I was helped along in my career. Are you saying there's no pastry community? No, absolutely not. <laughs> but I mean, clearly, it's something that that you know can you know. I I, I go back to Iron Chef, uh, the American Iron Chef version, uh, where there was it was Jose Garces who ended up winning it, and I forgot who the second person was, but it was the second person was a pastry chef, and like there was this huge thing about. Uh, could a pastry chef be a savory chef? And even at the other shows, you know, Top Chef, uh, where you go to a savory chef, it's like, oh, we need you all to make a dessert today, and everyone's losing their mind, right? Everyone has this concept of who the savory chef is, but the pastry chef is the one who seems to be that, like, you know, specialist, that scientist who uh, they're fewer, it seems like they're fewer numbers, at least in terms of, uh, overall notability would you say that's correct yeah absolutely. And why, why do you think that is why it's not as i mean as you said earlier it's very scientific there's meticulous ways to make the, you know a creme brulee or a flan or a cheesecake mm-hmm. uh, bread you know you have starter doughs that are over 100 years old for example making bread um it seems like that would be a a fun path to go creatively why not why not the draw for that in terms of people going like the culinary school or getting into the industry? Why such a draw for the savory side? I mean, I, I think it's it's really a matter of, of what you're into. I don't think that that people are steered away from going down the pastry path. Um, there's certainly fewer of us just because there's, there's fewer positions available. Um, Especially when you look at like Schoolcraft, it's an extra track, right? Don't you have to take the savory track, then the pastry track? It's uh, either no, it's, or. It, well, yeah, it's, you can go and have the pastry thing, but if you just go to the school, okay. you're taking pastry classes. You're taking you'll, you'll take some, okay? Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I spent when I was there that one year. I spent all those morning, early mornings coming in making bread, making oh, yeah. cheesecakes and stuff. Uh, uh, to your point, though, uh, 
there's there's fewer of you is because restaurants don't uh, understand the concept behind the value of a pastry chef? It's a value of a pastry chef is a, a very uh, arguable point because not everybody orders dessert. So unless you're finding some other source of income, whether it be a, a bread program or um, doing caterings and, and stuff like that, it's hard to... It's, it's a lot of times hard to justify paying for a pastry chef when you have a kitchen full of, of chefs that can throw together a, a perfectly decent dessert. Uh, or they get it from Costco and Sam's Club or it, Sarah Lee, right? Yeah, you certainly go down that road. No, I mean, I'm serious. There's, restaurant, there's restaurants that are going to give you something and they're going to be like, this is a cheesecake and it's Sarah Lee. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if you look at a, a menu and I think most... Uh, you know, as, as consumers get more savvy, like they can see if there's 18 desserts on a menu, uh, obviously, like some of them are probably prepared ahead of time, like, you know, like purchased, right? Yeah. Frozen. Um, frozen. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the larger point uh, and I don't know uh, how larger kitchens like uh, or like, you know, Michelin starred kitchens operate in the sense of like the French laundry or. Uh, Alinea, like how many pastry chefs they have on staff, but around here it seems like, uh, you know, it's like we ha- you have your line cooks, you have the, and it's like as you were saying, it's like pastry chef is, it's you, yeah. it's one person, and it's you know the the whole like, uh, it's an element of the meal that's kind of, I mean, I think we're kind I of, think you know, it's kind of, of it's, an afterthought, yeah, part of it's yeah. demand too. I mean, I know probably when I go out to eat, even I'll won't do dessert that often, uh, partially because sometimes I'll look at a dessert menu and be like, okay, this is the same five desserts I've seen at every restaurant or, or B you're just, you're full. You've already done the whole epic spiel and you're like, Oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to try some of that, but I'm, I'm out of room. So, and also the, the idea of like the, and you know, not to put this on the, the backs of the servers, but it's like, if you have an incredible pastry mm-hmm. program, um, in house, uh, it's some, it's a selling point. And it's like, you know, maybe at the beginning of the meal, you're, you're told, you know, leave room for dessert. We have this incredible pastry chef in back. You know, like we're going to – you're going to be really amazed at what – you know, not to use like the uh, clickbait tag. You know, you'll be amazed at what happens next. But it's like uh, it, it, it's it's a selling point yeah. it, rather than an afterthought. Like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to see another hot fudge cream puff on the menu. It's like uh, no one needs that. Molten chocolate. It's molten chocolate. <laughs> yeah, there are totally like five desserts that are at every single place. Especially, yeah, especially around here. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, molten chocolate is totally one. Yep. Cream puff. Yep. Um, cheesecake. 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 Yeah, Yeah. There is not enough. I love creme brulee. And everywhere I go, especially Italian places, like, yeah, creme brulee? No. I'm like, oh, <laughs> just give me tomorrow. <laughs> so let's go back to this. Uh, so the, the teaching the, the classes at Mabel Gray. Um, the, the idea of mentoring, right? So you're at a point now, you're, you're young, you, but you've had a, a pretty storied uh, career so far. Um, it, you, di- you went down this path without, it doesn't seem like, aside from your teachers, any real mentoring, right? Right. So are, this method of giving back, is it to mentor others and to kind of leave your like teaching mark on yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely a hard road to go down. Uh, as, as we were talking, there's a lot of restaurants that don't employ a pastry chef, and and let alone more than one. Um, does that go for bakers too? Like uh, when you are when you're the pastry chef, are you in charge of bread, or is that typically a separate gig? That's usually the same. Same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you uh, you're in a, a high volume a operation. Place, okay. um, you know, so at, when you're the only person in a restaurant that's doing pastries, there's there's really no one to learn from. You know, so you're you're very much on your own, uh, left to your own devices to, you know, learn new techniques and and try new things, um, which is is certainly possible, but it's it's difficult uh, at times, especially when there's, uh, you know, not a lot of demand for that. If if your if your employer's, you know, telling you to put something on the menu, if they, if he wants creme brulee, you know, obviously he's not going to be very satisfied with you spending hours working on some technique you saw on Facebook the other day. <laughs> or, or if your employer wants to buy bread instead of having you make it fresh. Exactly. Which yeah. happens, like, considerably, right? You know, I mean... So yeah, how, what places even have fresh bread? I mean, it's... The Morian Road. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, the, the Mori... So the kind of... The, the difference between Bistro 82, 
in the Mori. I mean, they're owned by the same group, Correct. but it's a completely different experience. And but like Beast Ray Two is kind of like on the fine dining path, and mm-hmm. the Mori is essentially a music and sports bar, for lack of a better term. Um, do it's expected at Beast Ready Two to have fresh bread, to have an awesome pastry program. Mm-hmm. At the Mori, is it sold as such, or is it like how how do people even know that like the the burger buns are fresh and that the I think it's unexpected to to go into a place like that and and have fresh bread, uh, you know. So that's that's definitely something that we push and 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 make sure that people are aware of. Um, you know, we, we have a four person pastry staff in the Mori. You know, that's wow. where our, our kitchen is based. So we're there every day. Does that that doubles up Bistro? So it's four between the two places. Correct. Okay, yeah. got it. That's so, still impressive. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't expect that walking in the doors. So for a place like that or, or Bistro to walk us through a garden variety day for a pastry chef, well, how does that? Uh... Starts at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did for a long time. <laughs> oh, I, I saw it on Daniel Tiger Baker Acre was uh, making bread for the next day. <laughs> I swear to God, I saw it. And they took him at nighttime and they're like, look, he's making bread for tomorrow. And Daniel's like, oh, I didn't even know the store was open. We started at 4 a.m. at Ackroyd. So it's like, yeah, yeah. we yeah. Mm-hmm. we start at 6 uh, uh, when I came on. So is that other, the entire pastry staff starts at 6? I mean, the, myself and our, our baker start at 6. Our pastry people come in at 7. Um, so it, it's, it starts with bread. We, we get bread going. Um, that's a pretty much one person job for for the entire day. Um, and then you have a dough you keep feeding. Yep, sourdough we keep feeding. Uh, it's it's been going longer than I was there. Kenny started it when, when he opened up the Mori. Um, it actually might have been going uh, at bistro time too. Um, but yeah, that's that's still going for us. We you know we build everything off of that. Um, and then we, we work on pastries for, for Bistro, uh, pastries for the Mori, packing everything, shipping everything. Um, when, is it, when is your team's day end? Or when, is it, obviously, it's got to be staggered, but like when is it? Uh, uh, bread usually gets done at 2 or 3, um, and then we'll finish everything. We're, we're, we're transferring over the Bistro. Bistro opens at 4, so everything that we've made for that day for Bistro goes over there by 4. Um, I'm typically there until five or six, uh, just making sure everything's organized for the next day and, and uh, you know, everything is where it needs to be. And we ever go out on the floor at all? Uh, occasionally, yeah. Okay. Um, like I said, my day starts at six, so I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm not trying to, to right. <laughs> kill yourself. I'm, I'm not trying to stay there until eleven o'clock. But um, I'm just wondering if you're kind of going out there, kind of looking the lay of the land, maybe saying like, "Hey, you trying dessert? Anything like that?" I don't. I mean, that's not probably not your role. I mean, I'm, I'm there for. <laughs> well, that's probably his. It probably is a little bit. part of it because he had pastry chef. He wants to know what's coming back. You know, like yes, di- yeah. plates that are right, right, right. Like, oh, they didn't eat the entire dish. Like, what's going on they over took here? Took the top off their hamburger. <laughs> that's fresh baked, dude. <laughs> you know how good that is. That's <laughs> the best part. Oh, it's it, it's incredibly great. I mean, you have to educate the customer, though. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also I think there's a there's a part of educating the employer. So what what is the is there a cost savings in baking your own? Uh, I mean, you don't have to employ a person, but is there ultimately is is the freshness the balance or like how, how does it how do you? It really depends on your volume because you can't can accelerate making bread. You know, you can ex- improve your production, but it, whether you're making three loaves a day or thirty loaves a day, it's it's the same time. You're still spending all of that labor making those those loaves so if, if you're selling enough um to to justify justify yeah, that yeah. that that labor then absolutely yeah i mean we we do buns for the mori we do uh, sourdough for the mori we do baguettes for bistro um specialty breads for bistro so we're, we're doing a, a decent production any retail do you like Sell it to customers? Are they not at the moment? I mean, if if someone wants to buy a loaf, we'll, we'll certainly sell it. But we're not uh, chasing that business right now. I, I've seen restaurants yeah. that do that, where they they have a store as you're walking out, and be like, "Oh, loaf of bread, blah blah blah." You know, here's some of the stuff. I mean, not it's not like day old or nothing. This is all fresh stuff. They mm-hmm. just had. You go to Jimmy John's a lot. You know, I just go for the free smells. <laughs> I actually walk in and I'm like, "This place smells awesome." Can I have a pickle? <laughs> so you don't go in the floor very much, but I'm looking at your Instagram. Tell me about your experience behind the bar and your inspiration from cocktails 
Uh, that works with desserts. I think it, it works in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I as I posted on there, I, you know, I look at a, a drink menu and wow, that would make a really good dessert. Um, so you know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, flavor comparisons that, that we we use in, in both sides. Um, Do the guys behind the bar ever look at your desserts and go, "That would make a great drink"? Possibly, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um, but th- I mean, there's always been a collaboration. Um, with me and, and the bartenders at, 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 where I work, I mean, there's a lot of um, interaction in, in what we do and infusing flavors into things. And, um, you know, there's a lot of techniques that, that they might not be aware of simply because they're not in the kitchen um, that, that we can lend to them. And, and in turn, they'll like of a like of a, of, a, of a scientific nature, like is that characteristic of the pastry, pastry program that could be imparted on the bar program or yeah. is it just interesting? Absolutely technicality of it it's, it's all very uh um it's all very intertwined with with what both both, both sides of the uh the kitchen are doing well, well both uh um uh behind the bar and pastry both employed the brulee i've seen a lot of bar pro <laughs> no i've seen a lot of bar programs that uh brulee you know fruit and Put the, add that to I the haven't drink. seen as many of the pastry chef Instagrams with the no, no, I'm not, torch well, flame. I'm just not the Instagrams, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's that, yes. there's the, uh, uh, not driest, the, what is it? Uh, oh, what is it when you pour the chemical over? The liquid f- nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. There's liquid nitrogen in, in drinks. Uh, there's a bar in Ann Arbor that does liquid nitrogen <laughs> drink. Uh, is that, which bar is that? Probably that, the last word. That, no, it is. It's a newer one, right? It, yeah, oh, it is. Nightcap. Uh, Nightcap. Yes. Nightcap does liquid nitrogen there. drink. Uh, I I seen uh, at, oh, I don't even know if it's there anymore. There was a bar, a restaurant in Plymouth, I think it was, or something like that. The nitrogen um, uh, chocolate uh, sundae or something like that. Or Well, the union joints do the nitrogen ice cream. Yeah, this was like a fudge thing. They poured the fudge in and put the night. He poured all the liquid nitrogen in. You know, it was, it is, is that practical? Is liquid nitrogen practical in terms of like its uses, or is it more of like a spectacle? It, it definitely serves a purpose, but yeah, it's more often than not, it's it's for show. It's right. a pain to keep because it boils off. It's a big fat sparkly lie. Yeah. That's what I was told. <laughs> but, then you, but then you upcharge right. for it, and you upcharge yeah. for it. Oh, sure. And but, the I mean, customer loves it, and they're like, "Oh, look at this! They're pouring, you know, and blah blah blah." And yeah, but eventually you become known as like the restaurant that does the, you know, the fudge nitrogen. But if you have the one drink that does it, or you have the one dessert that does it, and you know, I mean, you get, uh, there should be something, right? He's obviously, sure. a fan of the. <laughs> but I mean, bar, yeah. bars have the f- liquid nitrogen and creme brulee. That, that's, bars, your, that's your bar, dude. Bars have the flaming uh, drinks that are, you know, what's the reason for that, right? Why do we do that? Why do we go to Greek restaurants like and get Saganaki? Is that what you're talking? Do you need the light cheese on fire to make things exciting? You know, like we, there's good. some spectacle. It is good, but it's good without the fire. You know, there's the spectacle part of it. There's a showmanship. The yeah. the yeah. one practical application I've I've seen it in the bar with with using like a nitrogen in drinks is that it it gets it colder <laughs> than you would be able to get get it with ice. I've seen him. So you bring out shake things so <laughs> friggin' hard. <laughs> With two hands, just like this, <laughs> dude. Sorry. dude that, Sorry. That's that's yeah. Sorry, that's, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasting after dark, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, or like a baked Alaska. That's the only, I'm trying to think of something with like a like a fire. But you only get that on cruise ships. <laughs> Does anyone make baked Alaska? Yes, yeah, Carnival Cruise Lines. Who makes <laughs> lobster thermidor? Same thing. I mean, like like all the like Sims desserts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell you, the one cruise line I went on, I was like, oh, baked Alaska. Like, wh- why do I want this? Because <laughs> where else are you gonna go? Because that's what you do. <laughs> but you can order as many as you want. So it was like, what? Why do I want one? We uh, light it on fire table side. And the other, no, here's the other thing that's uh, that's uh, taken from the pastry side, probably. I, well, probably not taken, but it's shared. Is the meringue because pastry has the meringue, and everyone loves a meringue. But just the minute that you put an egg white into a drink, your novice uh, drinker is like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm drinking egg whites, right? And then I have to tell them. Uh, do you like lemon meringue pie? And they're like, "Oh, I love it, man!" I'm like, "Well, you're you're eating <laughs> egg whites that are being just like mixed up, right? There's nothing else there." And they're like, "Wait a second, there's an egg white." Like, <laughs> so it's the education. I go back to the mm-hmm. education, right? We're not educating our consumers mm-hmm. about what we're doing. Uh, 
pastry gets away with it. The bars are, uh, you know, become it became a, uh, a niche for them, and now it's like a growing kind of thing. Like, oh, you're you're having a whiskey sour. Would you like an egg with that, sir? You know. So maybe that's the growth in dessert because I I do feel like it's probably one of the the least focused on elements of a restaurant. I mean, I, I, this is just my personal you know views. Is I, I don't see the attention that um, I think it could be. Um, there was a restaurant in Pittsburgh, which is funny because I just came from Pittsburgh, that we went to that had this amazing chocolate program that, you know, they made like 60 different chocolates and, you know, all these little little tastes. And it went out of business like like three weeks later. And I think part of probably all the work and the stress that went into that um, just didn't translate to sales. So I don't know, like, what it, is it educating people on dessert's purpose in a meal? Um because I, I just I don't see it getting orders ordered as much. Right. I mean, I think a lot of people um, they look at dessert and they expect something super sweet and, and um, I mean this doesn't necessarily need to be that. It, it should be an extra course. It shouldn't be looked at as as, as uh, an indulgence or. So talk about um, the less sweet dishes. Maybe that that could be interesting. I mean, it's really just dialing back the sugar. Uh, okay. You know, that doesn't need to. Desserts don't need to be overwhelmingly sweet. They should be balanced. Mm-hmm. They, they should fit along seamlessly with that the last course of your meal. It shouldn't be something that that blows you out at the end of at the end of the dinner. And you know you shouldn't regret ordering dessert after you're done. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to to your point, Nick, I, I would I would throw in the cheese course. Right. Mm. Um, I love a cheese course. Afterwards, so rare, so rare. As as I do a digestif afterwards, mm-hmm. but. To the average person who is going to your corporate conglomerate, Applebee's, Chili's, things like that, if they're going to go to a nice restaurant, they're going to see a cheese course, they're going to see, you know, your Amaro's, your chartreuse, whatever, and your desserts, they're probably going to flock to dessert because they're like, why would I order cheese at the end of the meal? Right. Right? But for the rest of us, or many of us, like we might enjoy that along with the dessert that the table will share. And does it, does that cheese course uh, play into the part of the pastry program, or is that Grand Marge? I mean, I, I guess it would depend on how how wide this your management team is, right? Yeah, I, I, cheese I think can go either way. Um, you know, it can it can be a savory, it could be a, a sweet, depending on the cheese. Um, but it, it definitely falls into into both categories um, depending on on what you're accompanying it with. Does anyone do a cart in Detroit? I can think of one place in Cleveland. A dessert cart? Or a, a cheese cart. A cheese uh, cart. Murray and Gross Point, I know. Do they? Okay. Yeah. I, I think the, the larger kind of issues that we're touching on here is, and you, Ben, you touched on it briefly, is that when you have places doing coursed out meals, which we don't have a lot of around here, desserts included. So there, there, there is that value add of having this incredible kind of finish to a meal. Um, around here, uh, we, we don't have many places doing tasting menus, and, and the ones that do, they have they probably have a good pastry chef involved. Um, is that part of the reason why? Because now that that pastry is kind of lagging behind uh, around here. I guess our torchbearers, you know, bon bon bon, uh, sister pie, mm-hmm. right? Um, are the ones most widely known nationally, uh, and they're their own shops. So at the restaurant level, is it because of our lack of like this, I don't want to say quote-unquote serious dining, but kind of like uh, lack of tasting menus? Is that something that plays into all of this or maybe not? I don't know. I mean, it's certainly uh, it's certainly ju- having that, it certainly justifies having a pastry chef, you know, because everybody that's coming in and coming in to eat is getting a dessert, so... That that money is accounted for. That salary is accounted for um, when you're at a restaurant that that doesn't just a la carte dessert. It really depends on how much dessert you're selling. You know, if you're not selling a ton of dessert, why would you employ a pastry chef? Um, and, and a lot of it, it pastry chefs are oftentimes luxuries. Um, so having us in there and, and having us hand making those desserts in house is is not always necessity. It's just something that uh, it's, it's a choice that you make as an owner as uh, a chef or whoever it is in charge of making those restaurant decisions at, at a minimum a restaurant should employ pastry chefs during restaurant week because restaurant week always has a dessert uh, on the menu 
always. Like the third course is always dessert, and you're fooling the customer if you're you, you want them to think that like uh, you don't have great desserts, right? Well, but my next question was going to be: Is is this a case of people not knowing better? Like, I feel like this area. Uh, I'm guilty of that, and even for I mean, we employ a pastry chef at Wright and Company, and even in the marketing. As I'm thinking now, over time. Um, it's not something that we talk about as much as we probably should. I'm thinking that may be an oversight on my part, like from the marketing perspective, because, you know, I would, like you said, Nick, my perception is oftentimes to not really even think about dessert, you know, because you've already gone through the meal and, um, but Maybe, maybe because there's so many other things you want to get to. Like yeah. you think of like a Mabel Gray or like a Selden or, you know, they got all those different little small plates. Sure. You're just like, I want to eat all of them. Yeah. But I mean, but Joe's point was interesting as well about the way that we approach it holistically from obviously the ownership has decided to spend the money on having a pastry chef. What does that look like in terms of the entire customer experience from how we're talking about it on the marketing channels, or first of all, to maybe get people excited about it. How is the servers talking about it in terms of selling it as a part of the experience? And I don't even have a good answer for that right this second, but it's something that I'm going to look into a little bit. Yeah, and, and you know, Ben, to, to to the point of like being the the only person in a pastry department. How I mean, you're, you're busting your ass all day long, like trying to make things happen. Mm-hmm you don't have no control over how things are sold out front for the most part either, right? Right. I mean, you you educate your, your staff as much as you can, and, and you get them excited, and hopefully that translates into the dining room. I mean, b- bottom line, right, is like, it, and, you know, as we're talking about this, it's like if you sell more desserts, you make more money. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that that's the long and short of it, right? And it's, it's, and it's not an necessarily easy thing to do uh, the other part of this a uh, larger issue is like the whole midwest sensibility of like um large portions oh, so we have these really large portions coming out for entrees um not saying bistro 82 bistro 82 is a little different i think mm-hmm. in terms of like you know you, ha- you have your uh, the presentation as well as you know um a probably decent sized cut of steak or whatever mm-hmm. however most people are full by the time mm-hmm. dessert even you even have the I'm a traditional meat and potatoes guy, you know, like you sit down, smash. Yeah. You know, I think think one of the problems that we have, too, when we look at this is that we see dessert, we see the after dinner thing as a completely separate part of the meal. And we we do that with this whole separate menu. And I I totally disagree with that because that should be a part of my decision making. Mm. I think Mm -hmm. when I go into the restaurant, I have everything here that I'm going to look at. Now, maybe not the... You know, after dinner drinks or, or or whatnot, but you know, because the drink that menu, could be an upsell. Yeah, the yeah. drinks are usually not on the menu anyway. But the idea of like, okay, we're going to show you the dessert menu after you're done with your meal. We're going to come back. We're like, do you want coffee service? Blah blah blah. Uh, and here's the dessert menu. Well, if I had that in the in the foreground, you know, forefront of my uh, decision making when I'm saying, okay, I'm going to order this, this, and this. Oh, this dessert looks kickass. I want to order this too. So I'm going to order my savory stuff. At, you know, in proportion to what I want for dessert. But we don't do that. We say, here's this completely separate menu after the fact, and we don't tell you about it. And maybe when you go to some places, they have that cart, and it's like, oh, you walk in, you're like, oh, I want that cheesecake that's been sitting there. Yeah. You know? But <laughs> Well, but think of like, um, <laughs> even some of these, I, I, yeah. I, was, I just, I hate to, but I was in New York, and I went you. to some of these, yeah, I, always, I will always interrupt you. <laughs> New York. I was in New York, and I happened to be there for restaurant week uh, a couple weeks ago, and high end restaurant. And they were like, "Oh, we're gonna uh, uh, this." I'm sorry, I was there for restaurant week, but I went to a non restaurant week uh, restaurant. And they're like, "Oh, uh, afterwards, this is wait, and you'll see the dessert menu." And I was like, "Why do I need to wait? Why is this a surprise? Why don't you tell me?" what I could think about afterwards and we can make this a part of the entire experience. And, and to piggyback on this, I know Bistro H2 has the um, the tablet mm-hmm. menus. Or, or is the dessert part of that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, Nick, you're making a... a I didn't make any face. You what always make faces. <laughs> um, so, you don't like tablet menus, Nick? 
The only reason I like them for is wine. Because okay. what's cool about the wine is you could dive deeper into individual products but if, if they set that up. But if you're able to see a photo of a dessert that looks – is, I, is if, it not something that – I feel like it's a lot of work. Your, it depends on who took the picture. So, <laughs> well, that, right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But also, like, is that something at Beast Radio 2 is your desserts are featured as part of mm-hmm. the menu, right? Yeah. Does, does that draw people bef- – do you have any sense of it does it draw people before they order – Sure. I mean, you get that option of, of looking through everything and, and seeing everything that we have to offer. And, and, you know, maybe you see something in the dessert menu that sticks out. And so, you know, maybe you don't order that extra appetizer that you're thinking about because you choose to, to save room for that dessert at the end. Um, I hate to say this, but if there's something we can take away from any of these major corporations is that their menus are full menus. When you go to Chili's... <laughs> Because I worked at Chili's as a, ser- as a server when I was a kid. If you go to Chili's, man, they have their menu from start to finish, and everything is there. And it's there for a reason, because they know that people are going to look, and they're going to be like, oh, I want the Awesome Blossom. Deep fried ice cream. I want the deep, right, or whatever, right? Chi-Chi's, right? Chi-Chi's. Chi-Chi's isn't around anymore, but they're like, oh, I want the deep fried ice cream at the end of my meal, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know it's there, and they had this book. And I'm not saying we should have these like gigantic books of like menus, but... You at least knew. You're planning. Just like you plan out your appetizer and your entree and your salad. I, 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 I like that. I think that's the way to go. Now, so our web analytics guy for a second. Do you, is, is the data available on those tablets that says like, hey, they looked at an app. They looked at an entree. They looked at a dessert. We're not going to tablets. <laughs> is, well, no, because that, that could be fascinating. He's not the tablet guy. He's the <laughs> that's guy. how I would think. If you were trying to sell desserts, are people clicking Folks, into the for desserts? our next episode, we're going to bring on the tablet guy to talk about <laughs> web analytics. And, I'm just but, saying. Maybe we'll uh, invest in an analyst for that. <laughs> do, do you hold your servers accountable for um, and thus selling next plan desserts? Becomes and, apparent. Yeah, so, that, yeah. Yeah. So, so there is some sense of like, you know, how many desserts did we sell uh, this week, and, and why aren't we selling more? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely something we hold them accountable for, and we take the time to to make sure they have all the information that they need, so that so that we can hold them accountable. Because you know, if, if you don't know what you're selling, what's on the dessert menu, how you're going to sell it. Um, so, so we're there at line up. How do you test your uh, – you test them with the staff? Do you test them with the – I assume you obviously you test them with the management. But how do you test your desserts to see where they are for the next uh, – in, in stages, really. I mean, it goes – it starts with me and, and my staff, and then it goes to, to Derek, our executive chef, and then all the other uh, kitchen guys, and then it goes to management. And then uh, it gets approved, and, and that's presented that, to the servers and – is that routine with the, all the restaurants you've been with? Yeah, more or less. Um, you know, it, it, it goes through ownership and, and the higher ups, and if they if they're cool with it, then I put it on the menu. You know. Do you ever um, like spiff out your um, uh, your servers? Spiff. Spiff. S p i f f. Like right. uh, like a bonus for selling desserts. Hey Siri, could I what's get a that? spiff? Could I get that in a, in a sentence? <laughs> <laughs> a spiff. It's like a sales term. You like? It's I'm like not a, in sales. Bonus. Mm. It's a bonus. Bonus. Oh, why don't yeah. you just say bonus then? I, I, because I spiff is a term that salespeople is get. Is that even legal? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's even illegal. Really? I, I mean, I guess you could bonus out people for selling. Well, more you just desserts, take a dollar but, out. But it's not like mar- desserts are high margin. Like, oh, it's not oh, like that's why I don't know. Are desserts oh. high margin? You guys are the margin guys. No. No, no desserts are. <laughs> don't tell anybody, but desserts are. <laughs> pretty cheap to produce. Okay. Eggs, flour. Well, well, here, here's the thing, right? So, at Gramercy, so in, I was at Gramercy Tavern in New York. and um, Yum. I went there. Thank you for telling me yeah, about it. It was a great hospitality. Meal. Oh, my God. But So, end of the meal comes, right? And the guy's like, oh, we have these four desserts. And. It's like I think you should order this. I think you should get this. We did, but he's like, "There's four desserts, and we're only going to get two of them." You were in the tavern, so and and, uh, so he's like, "I think you should get this one and this one." And I was like, "Well, I kind of like blueberries." And he's like, "You know what? I got to take them care of." (laughs) He just brought us out all four, like no cost, no. And you know, I get the hospitality part of it. That's awesome. Probably built into the cost of all of this. However, when you when we're talking like in the larger discussion here, it's like. We weren't given extra savory courses. It's like, oh, it's dessert. Here, have have them all for no, no but extra But there are cost. certain places that give extra savory courses. There's a restaurant in, in D.C. where the servers are allowed to give you a free course. Well, that, okay, but, that, I mean, but, that's, that, but that's based course, on, yeah. And, and, and But also it's like 
you know, I, I, I had the servers like, I had this covered, and he, he was incredible. I'm not trying to like. They all are. Well, was it later in the night? Like, I mean, are they going to like yeah, crash I, those desserts maybe at the end of the night? <laughs> I, no, 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 I'm being totally serious. If you pre-make, you know, are you saying I get garbage desserts? I think, I think you take a, sucks you then. take a cheesecake, and then tomorrow you have cheesecake lollipops <laughs> because you've rolled it up into a ball and you dipped it in some chocolate or dipped into. So, right? You're doing something. It's soup. <laughs> we are taking our stuff from today. Che- cheesecake soup? No, we're taking our thing? stuff from today. and making our stuff. Dessert just, soup. I get it. I'm I get just, what he's saying. He's saying, like, turn the hamburger into chili. So here's a question for Joe. Okay. Um, what does a pastry chef do to a place like the bakery? Does like, it like does, all right, does it take away from what the bakery can do for restaurants in terms of, uh, you know, giving... Uh, your product to r- restaurants or something like that. Joe can't sell to a restaurant anyway. Well, well we we can we can sell you can now. Yeah. Oh no no we can sell uh, any any like if anything you, without meat in it. Got it. I'll give you an example. All right. So Dime Store, one of my gr- favorite restaurants uh, for brunch in Detroit, carries all kinds of Zingerman's products. Right. So they're clearly bringing in Zingerman's pastries. They advertise that. They advertise okay. that it's you know it's a thing. <laughs> if they brought in somebody to do their own thing, they would lose the Zingerman's. Thing. Some people would be like, oh, there's no singer. Like, there has to be, like, a there's a hook for that. If somebody was like, okay, this is a, you know, a Scottish uh, place, and we're bringing so, in. Okay, so right? that, that's one thing, right? If someone opens a Scottish pub and they want to partner with us, that's fine. Um, the, the To go down the marketing path, there's got to be a labor. Talked about earlier. Labor. The, the, well, uh, it's a labor savings. Yeah, and yeah. All, yeah, but also, um, if you're using a name as a crutch, Singermans, sure. Ackroyds, whatever whatever the name may be, that's what it ends up being. So you're just like, oh, we have desserts by Zingermans. It's it's an afterthought on the menu. The servers probably aren't pushing Zingermans desserts, and I, I don't. And why know. would you want it? Because if you've probably had it before, well, exactly. And also, you don't know how fresh it is. Oh. These are all issues that that arise when when I look at a menu and it's like, oh, we have desserts from Zingermans. It's like, well, from what day? I don't care. I love it. Zingerman's is delicious. Well, I went to Ann Arbor. Two types of customers, <laughs> <laughs> and this is the issue, right? And, and so, at Acro, it's like we're—I'm not concerned with what Ben's doing. Like, I think ben, what Ben's doing is, is awesome, right? And, and it's not going to affect the way our business operates because we sell volume. But is there a, ben, ben? Is there a pastry chef out there who's working independently, who's not known, who's sponsoring restaurants on the DL? There's got to be, right? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, like multiple. I mean, I'm not like, saying. Like a phantom pastry chef? No, I'm Batman of pastries? I'm what? saying, all right, restaurants that aren't using Sara Lee are buying their stuff from somebody who's making it for them. Yeah. Right. So, and they're not, and they're not, the restaurant's not putting it on the thing. Like, Joe Akeem okay. is making us this let, let, pastry. Let me roll this back in, because I'm going to tell you about a place I went to up north a while ago. That, up uh, north? That will remain nameless. It was, it, it was like in way the interlock, north? interlocking area will remain nameless. Okay? I, I, I'm, I'm a How many huge places fan, are up north? I'm a huge fan enough. I'm a huge fan of carrot cake. And they were they had a home baker making their carrot cake. I just make quotes because baker okay, right? This this and I don't know how legal this is. I don't want to get this place in trouble. I don't really oh, care to, to totally name them. I'm however, however, carrot cake comes to the table. I'm like, oh it looks great. Take one bite, crunch. Shard of glass in <gasps> in the fucking carrot cake. I'm not I'm not kidding. And this is a home baker. The, the waitress, I'm like, I call the waitress over. I'm like, there's glass in here. Like, uh, uh, I could have hurt myself. I could have drastically, like, seriously injured myself. She's like, uh, what should I do? I'm like, probably take the cake away. And she's like, should I throw the rest of it out? Comp it's like, home uh, yeah, you should throw it out. They gave, I mean, that's a suit. Ultimately, they gave me the dessert for free. Oh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So if there is a phantom baker in the Detroit area, stop phantom baking. No, but there, no, there's places like uh, in the north end of Detroit where there's a legitimate place that you can you can rent as space to cook stuff. Oh, so you're producing out of commercial ki- commercial kitchen? Absolutely. Okay, that, that's right. okay. But there's not, not, not going some on the backwoods. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's, no, no. They're, Glass these are, infused shit. These are legitimate commercial <laughs> kitchens. But they're not going on the menu as saying we have a pastry chef or anything like that. There's these legitimate commercial kitchens who are undercutting people like Ben. They're undercutting him in, okay. in, in salary and, and, and this and that. And probably in, qua- in quality 
and ingredients. But it'd be no, it's no worse than going to like GFS and getting something from there. Uh, why, why, why are you going? What? Yeah, no, no. But here, here's here's the yeah, larger right, issue that you're, you're talking if about. You're, if your if your daughter's having a quinceanera and you gotta you gotta <laughs> supply food for a thousand people. Yeah, I can see you going but to how is it? But how is it any different? You, you're, you're basically, you're just getting a no-name brand. Yeah, That's you, all you're doing. You go to Sheila's and it's going to be 20 bucks a per... It's going to be 20 bucks anyways to feed 10,000 people. Like it's Sheila's way, Bakery is like... But, it's great, but it's... You, you can't compare GFS to like a... Glass person? <laughs> all right, so on <laughs> one end of the spectrum, we have a glass person. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Ben. No, no, no but GFS is undercutting Ben. Ben Ben is a, 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 a line item where, you, like, and I want to... He diminish is. you he to is. that, but yeah. all right. It's so, a it's, it's a thought out salary that a place has to recognize as an expense, as a worthwhile expense. Which I think the larger issue that we're talking about today is that that worthwhile expense isn't seen in a lot of places. So the question is, who is not undercutting you, but who is going uh, without a pastry program and going to something else? Like mm. what? What are they going to? I mean, there's a lot of restaurants that are that are. Putting those desserts on onto the, the shoulders of the, the line cooks or the sous chef or whoever oh, wow. okay. whoever it may be who has some uh, pastry knowledge that can that can oh, do I those see. things. So, so it, we're not it, going to a bakery. We're not so going to somebody. Instead, so that of, was a lot of emotion. Right? Why? Why? <laughs> well, he he down, he, he ate class. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did for for the podcast. <laughs> Even though it was years ago, <laughs> it was years. Um, uh, he knew. <laughs> Someday, yeah, this he, story would come to me. He's the three-eyed raven. Uh, oh. so, so Public House has Sister Pine now, right? And, and I think the, the other thing that places Nuclear do, war. like if, if we have like these kind of prepared desserts, is that they rely on spectacle instead of presentation. So, well, well or that's taste. kind of the same. Right. So, like, you have this, like, 19-layer chocolate cake that can be split between 12 people as an afterthought. Rather than having a, a really intricately presented dessert that you prepare, mm-hmm. right? Right. So is that an easy? And I feel like it's also an easier sell, especially in, especially where we are. Like I, it's I, I don't want to disparage right? the people. Well, no, I mean we got to educate the people here. Like you don't need to have a twelve layer opera cake. Well, you don't. Well, opera cake's a different story. I'm talking about these like you know huge. Mile, of mile, high. mile high, yeah. yeah. Oh, mile high. This and twelve layer carrots. Although that might hold the glass. <laughs> that's what these corporate places. I'll say it. That's what these corporate places are doing. You go to a place, uh, you know, called like Mitchell's, right, where they serve this as your birthday. Mm-hmm. You get a twelve uh, layer cake. I've never been to Mitchell's, so it's oh, it's it's, for, a, it's it's okay, okay, it's not bad. It's a corporate place. I mean, it's good, yeah. you know, for corporate places. Uh, but you know they have this kind of like afterthought for dessert. I guarantee there's not somebody in the back making a twelve layer cake. No, it's getting flown in from DC or something, and it's probably frozen or right or whatever. Maybe not. Maybe not. We don't know that. I don't know. So, so how how do we get past this point of like these fucking crazy desserts? Like how, how do we get to the point where we're like looking? If someone looks at your Instagram account, where where, where can people find your Instagram? Let's get that out there right now. So it's b b dots r the number zero b. So it's, it's easy to remember. B Rob, right? And it's the the photos that you present are incredible. They're gorgeous. Like the desserts are gorgeous. Like, I, and I'm not I'm not just saying that because you're in the room with me. This like quantifiably, this is like gorgeous stuff. How can we get to a point where people want that instead of like some? Six layer carrot cake uh, that that has like fifteen thousand calories in it. Is there is there is is that who you're competing against? Even, I mean, it, it is. It's it's it is an easy sell to sell a, a twelve layer carrot cake and a creme brulee, and everybody's familiar with that. Everybody knows that, and and like you were saying, it, it's that's what's available, it's what's around. Uh, so in, in order to get around that, we need to push forward with, with different things and, and educate our staffs uh, to sell those things and to, to educate the, the guests and, and, and get them on board with that and get them trying things like that and you know hopefully they try it, they like it and then that's what they, they look for in the future. I think that's the takeaway yeah. is like the preparation like prepare for dessert, get it on your main menu 
being like, hey, yeah, of all these delicious things, dessert is totally an awesome thing that we do. We ha- we have four guys that slave away at 6 a.m. making these desserts. I, I guarantee if I had a restaurant, I would have. If someone said that, I would, tell I everyone, would totally order dessert. I would tell everyone, prepare for dessert. Yep. Here's what we have for I wouldn't make it to be like a surprise thing at the end. Like, you know, you know, you know in advance what's coming up for dessert. If you don't get it, shame on you for not picking something here. You we got some, fresh bread. Pick something here, pick something here, pick something here. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, it, in your experience, do you think that we faltered as a Midwestern kind of deal, like not, you know, making that a kind of a, a secret at the end? I mean, you want to have that in the front end, right? Why That's not? a national thing, though. Mm-hmm. I've gone to so many places that they hide the dessert. No, it's, it's totally, it's totally national. It's totally a national thing. But I mean, we, we should, we should do that, right? Yeah, for sure. When I, when I uh, last year, year and a half ago, was with at the uh, a Wolfgang Puck event at MGM, and Wolfgang was there, and he said to us, oh, he Lord. said to us, Just, and he, hey, let me well, pick up this name. Hold on, no, well, no, no, no. But th- this is I took he, pictures. He, said, he, said, took he was talking about dessert specifically, and he said he said to us, he said specifically, it's like sometimes it's okay to have dessert as the meal, oh, and, and that is never an option here, and there's no such thing. And I, I, I mean, that's him, that's a brain twister, right? And he's like, we used to have like this kind of like. Um, Basically, a strawberry shortcake for dessert. You know, strawberries would be in season, fresh whipped cream. It's a meal, right? I think we just figured out the next new thing. Like, could we have dessert as the appetizer? Can we do that? Uh, Or or a dessert pop up? Like, what, what, like, is there any sense of like people wanting like all dessert? Absolutely. I mean, I did a a dessert pop up uh, six months ago, and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was modeled in, uh, a standard meal, you know, there was a there was a cheese course. There's a lot of savory ingredients folded into that, and and did people a, come for their whole meal, or did they or did they come like later, like after they've had a meal? I'm not sure. Okay. No, uh, it was it was the the dinner was pushed a little later, so that was an option. Okay. Uh, it wasn't a, a five o'clock kind of seating, um, hmm. but there's there's definitely that opportunity there to to either. Push dessert earlier to to, to focus uh, appetizers or, or starters onto a, a more pastry spectrum. There's there's definitely ways to put pastry techniques and pastry flavors into the earlier parts of the dinner, and, and like I do a lot of times, uh, bring those savory flavors into dessert. Um, there's a lot of overlap that that's possible. Um, in your in your experience, do you have input on the intermezzo on a tasting menu, or is that uh, completely the savory chef that does it? No, that's that's generally put on pastry. And how do you do you determine that based upon the uh, courses, or do you determine that uh, in part on what you're going to put out for dessert? No, it's usually it's it's generally uh, in the the savory part of the meal, so okay. it's it's more of an accent on on uh, the courses before and after rather than a, a, a thought of pastry. So let's talk about briefly what the, this weekend you're collaborating on a uh, outstanding in the field yes dinner. So where is that and wh- is it sold out or is it like uh, uh, yeah sold out? It's in uh, Seedling Farms out in South Haven. Who are you gonna who are you working with there? Uh, Matt Peach is uh, heading up the the dinner himself. Um, it's uh, he owns Salt of the Earth in Fenville um, and uh, principal in Kalamazoo. And so you're, you'll be doing the he'll be doing the first few courses and you're doing the desserts. Yeah, him and that... uh, him and Norm Valenti. Uh, Norm works at Plum Market. Oh, yeah. um, they're mm-hmm. both um, roast guys. Um, they open up roasts together. Um, roast in Detroit, correct. Michael Simon's place. Yep. 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 Which was listed in uh, one of the top uh, 100 uh, steakhouses in the country recently. Roast was. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Can I also point out your like? I think one f- oh, in top 50. Sorry. That's it. Done. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you've like this like badass like burn right here, which I was like from a sheet pan or something. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, like like the the suffering that goes into your art. I just I just saw that. I was just like, no, I will I will throw. Have you ever reached your hand in to grab a profiterole as it's in the sugar <laughs> and pull it out? Even after Chef Decker says, don't reach your hand in <laughs> to the sugar. <laughs> No, but I do specifically remember that. This that guy talk needs a couch. You, you remember someone like me going, to I grab. Ah! <laughs> you were probably the example. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Because it doesn't burn your skin, it burns your 
sold. <laughs> it's the worst burn in the world. All right, so Outstanding in the Field sold out this weekend. Ben, people can find you at The Mori yep. and at Bistro82. Yep. All right, and one more time, your Instagram handle? Uh, B-Rob, it's B.R, uh, the, le- the, the number zero, and B. Awesome. Go check right. it out. It's yes. pretty dope. Oh, my God, it's really good. Your photos are great. Thank you. Your food is great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Jacob, too. No, a couple both. of them. Jacob, Jacob does a great job of your yeah. pictures. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Blue Cow. Yeah. Previous guest. I've learned, your stuff is I've learned guys, a lot but. from him. Uh, I, I do take uh, the majority of those. Uh, I'm, I'm do you take the photos yourself? Yeah. Well, he, awesome. does, he does a good job. Uh, uh, you all did a good job. Putting yeah. out what, how, how kick-ass your stuff is. I've got some, some tips.